Can you feel it? Opening day! Come see what's brewing. Let's go, baby. Your brewers. Come see what the brewers in Wrigley to take in the scrubs. Be a believer. Be a believer. In what? Brewer fever, Rowdy. I should have my shirt today. Actually, it's in my car. I should go get it. You're part of the team. I'm to go get I think it's in my car. Rowdy's got, Rowdy's got double Brewers gear on with the Wisconsin rain jacket on because there's a little rainy out there. Opening day is here. One twenty first pitch. Corbin Burns opposite of Kyle Hendricks. It's going to get going at Wrigley. Uh, American Family Field South. How's it feel, Rowdy? I mean, you got double brewer gear on. How's it feel today, brother? Yeah, so I uh, woke up this morning, grabbed uh, a T-shirt and kind of a jacket, and then I thought, eh, it's opening day. Might as well grab the Brewer Fever shirt and then throw on the Christian Yelich jersey. Hopefully that gives them luck not only for today but the season. Yes, sir. Well, here's the thing, though. As exciting as opening day is... The Chicago Cubs refuse to get a roof, obviously, it's Wrigley. And I'm looking at the weather report already for cloudy Chicago. Right now, a 24% chance of rain. But rowdy in the afternoon when the Brewers are about to uh, get underway of beating the Cubs' ass. That's when it starts ramping up with the rain. Uh, Afternoon, it's almost 50% chance of rain. Uh, down in Chicago. So I hope and fingers and toes crossed that the rain does not jam us up, but there is potential for that. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you would have looked at the extended forecast, better shot at rain Friday than there even is today. (laughs) Damn it. Yeah. uh, I'm looking at the forecast here. Uh, I'm at weather.com. Nothing like shortening your season by what was it? seven, eight days that they originally had opening day scheduled for and going with a bunch of double headers and or less days off mm-hmm. and then starting the season with potentially two rainouts. Yeah. It's like, mm, get a, can we uh, get like a gigantic tarp to put over Wrigley or something? Not on the field, but over the field. I'm looking at the weather report right now. It doesn't start. So first pitch is at 120. Around one o'clock is they have a 16% chance of rain with 17 mile per hour winds. It's not around 2 and 3 o'clock that it starts ramping up into the low th- high 30s, low 40% of rain. So we, we potentially could get a little drizzle, enough to not uh, doom the ball game. But yes, to your point, Rowdy, then it gets a little worse on Friday. Friday gets like a 60%, 70% chance uh, around the time of 120. And then Saturday, you have... Eh, a little less chance, but that's still a couple days out. So yeah, watch them have to play two double headers on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, there's nothing mm, nine innings now. By the way, double headers. Uh, Ghost runner on second, I do believe. Uh, let's see here, boys. We have uh, the season predictor, uh, the season predictor. Excuse me, coming out. I'm going to put it out on the twitters. Where do you think the Brewers are going to fall? As today marks the beginning of the 162 game campaign. So Rowdy. Uh, we saw it initially at what eighty nine and a half. You've seen it as high as what ninety and a half. Where do you want to settle on eighty nine and a half? Ninety wins, ninety and a half. Where do you want to settle on for the poll today? I mean, we can just split the difference and say ninety flat. Ninety flat. Some entities ninety and a half, others eighty nine and a half. We'll split it at ninety and a half. Rowdy was breaking it down for me yesterday of uh, how comfortable he would be or uncomfortable he would be with taking the over of that win total, and we'll get to that. And your calls as well at 608-321-1670. Twitter is at Zone Madison. You can hit up my Twitch account, twitch.tv backslash Evo says. Hit the follow button there. You can tell us that. All right, so we'll dive into this. But first, uh, the news that uh, happened, what was that, Monday as the show was ending, was Pedro Severino, the Brewers' backup catcher, uh, popped for a illegal substance, clomiphene, and then he is now out 80 games because of it. The Brewers now making some moves. They have a former Cub, actually, but now with the Padres for a while. That would be Victor Caratini. He comes in as the new backup catcher as Milwaukee sends outfielder Corey Howell and catcher Brett Sullivan in the trade back to the Padres. This dude, what, 28 years old? He played a career-high 116 games Excuse me, last year. Batting 227 with seven home runs, 
and a career-best 39 RBIs. What do you think of this move for a backup catcher with Severino on the shelf for 80 games, Rodney? Well, first off, Severino's going to be on the shelf for 80 games and isn't eligible for the postseason. I think most Brewer fans and the Brewers organization themselves feel like at the end of 162 games, they're going to be in the postseason. Yep. This really obviously forced the Milwaukee Brewers' hand, and uh, we talked about how the backup catcher would be asked to catch at a minimum one out of every five games. Yeah. That's out of your first 80 games. That's about 25 games minimum that uh, Sullivan would have been catching. And that's a guy that had five at bats in the spring training, did not get to work hardly any uh, time with any of the pitchers and had really never seen major league time just as a player in his career in general. This really forced the Brewers' hand. It really did. They not only made a trade for Victor Carantini, they also made a trade for a second catcher yeah. yesterday, but he is obviously already... Uh, well, they needed him because Brett Sullivan was... Was traded. Traded. So they, so needed, they to, needed to bolster their catching position and yeah. not only fill a backup catcher, but also fill their triple-A swing catcher. Yeah, so crazy for the Brewers. Uh, Pedro Severino really jamming them up right before the season starts here. Now, Craig Council was talking yesterday saying that they actually uh, could, they could, they have up till 11 a.m. today, Rowdy, of uh, solidifying their, their, their catcher position. They've already done it. So, but they did have till 11 a.m. today. Uh, Caratini, though, uh, let's see here, has hit pretty well in Milwaukee at American Family Field. He batted 327 with an OPS of 935. So, I don't know. I don't, the guy, I think the Victor, guy sounds like he's pretty good. No, I like this move by David Stearns. It, it was obviously a move where he had to do something because you you couldn't come into the season this shorthanded <laughs> at the catcher's position and not only this season, but the postseason because Severino's ineligible. Yeah, I actually like the move. Victor Carantini spent multiple years in Chicago and then last season with San Diego. But Victor Carantini, classic backup catcher, Kind of, kind of like a Severino in the fact that if he's given a lot of at bats, like if he was a starting catcher and played the number of games a starter would, yeah, brings a little pop to the team. He's also a switch hitter, can which obviously means he can hit from the right or the left side. But I think one of the other things that makes him a little more valuable is the fact that Caratini is is very versatile type player. He's a guy that is obviously a catcher, but he's also played first, third, and corner outfield when he was in Chicago because we all know that if you've watched uh, some Madden-managed teams like those Cub teams were, he says you got to be able to play everywhere. That's why Kyle Schwarber in the minor leagues was originally a catcher. Then he was playing in the corner outfield. But going back to Caratini, yes, and what do we know about the Brewers heading in? You know that uh, Luis Arias is a guy that's going to start on the injured list, yeah, it was going injury. to be out two to three weeks. Who's going to be playing third base? It's probably Jace Peterson and, you know, uh, Mike Brousseau, another guy that's a utility player. Yeah. Those are the two guys that'll probably be interchanging between third base. Well, now Carantini where you have question marks at third base due to injury and question mark at first base because there's been a question mark at first base for 11 freaking years <laughs> since Prince Fielder had vacated the spot uh-huh. is now a guy that can play all three of those positions and in a real, real uh, tough spot, you could throw him in a corner out- outfield. I think it was a good trade, especially when you look at what they gave up. It was uh, Corey Howell. Yeah, this was a guy that was playing outfield. They think maybe can play center field because of how athletic he is, but the bats, the question mark, and it doesn't hurt when you're the Milwaukee Brewers and you have a ton of good outfield prospects and a number of outfield prospects that are highly rated and higher than what Corey Howell was. I don't think this is a huge loss. Yeah. He was in your top 16 for your prospect list, but there's like four other outfielders in the organization that are higher than he is. And I think his biggest thing is he's super athletic, super fast, but the bat was a question mark. And I was also reading how uh, the other season he struck out at a rate of 39%. That that was his big kryptonite was striking out at 39%. 39%. My God is insanely high. 
Now, what? can he get on base and could the majority of his outs have been strikeouts? They could have been, but that's just an insanely high number. When you have the type of organization where you have three, four outfielders that are clearly better prospects 39. and some of them younger than him and defensively more sound in center field because they were unsure if he could play center field. Yeah. It, this isn't a huge loss, especially to go grab a guy that's going to be a catcher for at least 80 games and then anything in the postseason as a backup brings versatility, a veteran bat. I and, think it's a yeah. solid move. It, and then it, the I like the move. He's a, he's a solid player from my my readings, Rowdy. Yeah, he he's going to he's not going to wow you. He's just going to do exactly what they ask him to. That's, that's what you a, need. Be a backup catcher. Check that one off the yep. list. Bring a little bit of pop. Check that one off the list. We know that the Brewers love versatility. He can check that one off the list. Like, this isn't going to be a guy that comes in here and is all of a sudden like a big-time all-star. No. He's going to do solid. his job and be solid. That's all you need. All you need. Just do your job, be solid. And then the, the funniest part is that they make another trade for Alex Jackson with the Miami Marlins. That, yeah. Now, this is a, a much lesser move because he's really he was already sent to AAA right as they acquired him. He was now supposed to be what uh, Sullivan was supposed to be when they originally uh, signed him and, and acquired him. He was supposed to be the guy that most of the season played at AAA. He would occasionally be your third catcher at the major league level, kind of like the Luke Maley that they yeah. had last year. Well, with Sullivan being sent in the trade for Victor Carantini, especially along with their 16th pick, Corey Howell, they had to get another catcher, and instead of signing one off the street, elected to make another trade. Now, they did trade two prospects, one also being on that 30-man top prospect list, but he was extremely low on that list and extremely young and raw. So yeah. that's literally like a lottery ticket. Sure. And then the other one was a low-level, unknown, really, prospect. So, again, I don't think they really, really gave up anything to acquire these two guys. No, so the Brewers needed to do something, and they did it. They got Caratini in as the backup, but uh, we'll dive into more of the Milwaukee Brewers. Opening day is upon us. Very excited. Hope the weather can have, you know hold off. It's going to be overcast. Hopefully the rain can hold off. If it does, just be very sparse. Just a light sprinkle, please. Because we already had the season delayed because of the the lockout, and now we just can't we can't delay it again with bad weather. So Chicago, please, Mother Nature, please. I will say this though for the Brewers Cubs opening day game for potentially being canceled. One thing that this game has going for it for the the Chicago Cubs is the fact that they're not late in the season. <laughs> with tired arms <laughs> and playing a ton of games in a row. Yep. There hasn't been a game or any major league baseball game since early November of 2021. Everyone has been well rested, especially with only three and a half weeks of spring training. You could probably argue haven't had enough time in spring, but I don't think the Cubs are going to be able to cancel it because of a heavy workload. No, they might be able to find a way, but no, they can't do it yet. Um, I'm very excited. Want to hear your season predictions. We're going to set it. Uh, we've seen 89 and a half, 90 and a half. We'll just split the difference. Go 90 wins is what Vegas has uh, the Brewers at for the over under. Would love to hear from you at 608-321-1670. Your season predictor for wins for the Milwaukee Brewers. Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com. Can I get a hell yeah? No, because I gotta go to Wrigley. <laughs> oh, can I get a? Oh, hell no! Then <laughs> have you have you looked at the forecast? Yeah, dude. For the love of God! I told one of our listeners in the the first segment today. It's like six ten Z in the D. I said, "Yo, dude, do the anti rain dance because we need some baseball today. We've already been delayed enough because of lockout." Andrew, I asked you when you get off of the phone with me in about you know fifteen minutes. Can you also do an anti rain dance before you get in your car and drive? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I can do that. All right, cool. I'm, Andrew, I'm all about the anti-rain dance. Happy, happy opening day, by the way. How does it feel? It's actually here. Well, I have to remember how to tie a tie because I think it's been since last opening day since I wore a shirt and tie. So, you know, other than that, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, it's, it's my favorite day of the year, man. Like, even I'm optimistic on opening day. The world sucks <laughs> slightly less, you know. Even Pirates fans have reason to, like, dream for three minutes before, you know, the first yeah. player steps in the batter's box. Like, it's it's a good day, even if you have to go to freaking Wrigley. So, so question, 
Now, I've seen when you were covering the Wisconsin, I saw you uh, for March Madness at the Pfizer. I don't think you were wearing a tie. Is a, is a tie something you wear as a tradition for opening day, or is baseball just bring it out of you like an old-timey reporter? Like, What's with you wearing a tie today? It's, it's kind of like an unwritten rule of opening day. You, you know, dress up. It's a special occasion. So today I'm not, I'm not wearing the full suit today because, again, this game is being contested in the festering toilet of Major League Baseball that is yeah. Wrigley Field. Yeah. Um, and it's supposed to rain and or snow. So it's just, uh, you know, jeans, a button down, and a slightly less crappy sport coat. But, yeah, opening day, the home opener here. I'll be wearing a full suit. I'll be rocking okay, it. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I do. A, it's a bummer that it's got to be in Wrigley. That's just, uh, forget a roof, you pours. But when it comes to. And like, I know I know, people always rave about, oh, no, you, you just, it's a, it's a tradition. I'm like, that's great. Like, sitting in the bleachers and getting cranked, hey, more power to you. Hell yeah. But I could care less about, like, fan experiences because this is all about me, baby. Media starts with me. So yeah. Force press box. Hey, you can't force, spell force media. Setup. You can't spell media without me. But is is a bad setup there at Wrigley? Oh that's terrible. I mean they've renovated it now, so I've heard that like you know, there used to be where I sat there were like exposed wires underneath the table <laughs> for like the non functioning heater. So, you know, it was it was great times. It was like Wrigley Field is like, I don't know where you went to high school. It was an old building like I did. I went to a Catholic school in Milwaukee. It was always either too damn hot or freezing cold. There was no, there was no such thing as being comfortable in the press box at Wrigley Field. It, it's just physically impossible. That's funny, dude. Uh, we do have uh, one of our good listeners, uh, B-Rail up in Eau Claire. He is a Cubs fan. He, I don't mean any offense when I talk smack about the Cubs to Cubs fans themselves. I just can't stand the Cubs. Like, there's something about it that just makes my blood boil. It's it's not the it's the fans, I guess that that weren't Cubs fans until 2016 when they won the World Series. Like, they were wearing a Brewer shirt one day, and then the next day after the World Series when the Cubs beat the Indians, then they're like saying how they're diehard Cubs fans. It's like, I saw you wearing a Brewer's shirt yesterday. Like. Well, I remind, I remind people all the time, and they conveniently forget that here in Wisconsin, that the same way Wisconsinites view, say, Cubs fans and Cardinals fans is the same way the entire universe views Packers fans. Like, it is the same thing. Same overrated stadium, same overrated history. Okay, same overrated I'm not going to stand by and have slander of Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers, Andrew. This is just, this is unacceptable. This is, what, what are we doing here? What's going on here? This is unacceptable. <laughs> no lies you liar all right so andrew uh when it comes to the milwaukee brewers we'll get into uh you know opening day and corbin burns on the bump opposite of kyle Hendricks and yada yada but first dude how big of a issue is this with pedro severino getting popped 80 games for an illegal substance in a system was it clomiphene and now this new catcher uh backup catcher victor caratini well first we'll start with uh, uh pedro severino how big of an issue is this I mean, it stinks, obviously. You're losing, you know, a, a guy who obviously did a lot of work with the pitching staff in a short amount of time. Uh, I think from, a, from, from that sort of standpoint that it hurts the most uh, in terms of pitching, because your backup catcher, listen, he's in there to spell Omar Nevarez. You know, that, that's, that's the main goal. This isn't like in years past where it's kind of a split thing. Um, so that stings, and it stings not having them for the playoffs either. That, that's the big part. You lose them for the first 80 games and the playoffs. They made the best of a bad situation, though, in getting Victor Caratini. The guy is an experienced backup. Like he's, he's been around. He knows, he knows, he knows the team. Uh, he knows how to handle pitchers. And most importantly, he spent a lot of time in the Central Division being with the Cubs. So he knows the hitters in this division, and that's going to be helpful when he's working with the pitching staff. And the fact that he's a switch hitter, you don't have to worry about matchups. Uh, he's raked in his his time at Miller Park. I think he's a 935 OPS in like 20 yep. career games there. So that 327. You know, it's it's a good pickup. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 making the best of a bad situation. And like you know, we can we can fault guys all you want for 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 fludging a test. Like, dude came out and owned it. It was an infertility thing. Like. You know, Do you think? It, let me ask you this. You, Do you, you think it's weird if it's an infertility thing? I always thought it was weird that like. Your doctors, you're, you know your profession is drug testing you. You know you should be, know what's in the drugs you're taking. And you have doctors doing that for you. The fact that you didn't know, and then it is for infertility, and then not fighting it? Is that weird? Does that, does that weird anyone else but me? 
I mean, it doesn't do you any good to fight it because the, the length of the process you're going to go through so long, and it's just, it's just the way that things go. You know, yeah. I mean, it's in there. It's a banned substance. I mean, it happened, I believe, down in the Dominican. There's not, there's not much you can really do about it. Yeah. Um, you know, with lumps. guys, yeah, like, it, it's different, I think, if you're taking supplements. I think guys by now have it drilled into their head that they got to check and check and check and triple check. But that's one of those things where, you know what, you probably should have double-checked and didn't because it was a different circumstance, and it comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. All right, so, Andrew, um, we'll see what happens with that, you know, the backup catcher position. But moving forward, man, uh, obviously we have Corbin Burns, the reigning NL Cy Young winner on the bump opposite of Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Corbin Burns, can he duplicate? Does he have it in him to duplicate what he did last season, this year, and continue on being a flamethrower? Or would we see some regression? Because... Is that Cy Young Award winner? I mean, it's going to be hard to duplicate it, right? Like, wh- what do we see happening with Burns coming up this year? I mean, common sense would tell you that he'd probably have to regress a little because he was so just insane last year. And you have to believe that offense overall is going to be up in baseball. But at the same time, you know, you kind of figure that this is nowhere near in the cards after that horrible 2019 campaign. So, you know, it's hard to say one way or the other. You, you think that there's going to be a little bit of a bump back, but he's proven an ability to just, you know, prove people wrong. So yeah. you kind of just got to sit back and, and, and let them run their course and see what the hell happens. So how about Brandon Woodruff? Now, Woody uh, was struggling a little bit in spring training. Getting, ro- I mean, almost every Brewers guy was getting kind of rocked in spring training. Should we be worried about spring training? Or it's like, okay, Brandon Woodruff, we've seen him in, uh, years in the past be able to pull it together just fine. Any, any worry about Woody coming with this spring training that was under his belt? Not really. I mean, he's usually a slow starter too. So I know if he comes out there and has a bad start or whatever after three days, three games, you know, people are going to be losing their heads. But you know, you look at you look at the overall body of work the last couple of years. He's kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit. Last year was a little bit better, and then he just gets into gear and cranks it on. And we've talked about this before. You know, you got to remember that this is a new situation for these guys in spring. They're coming in here. It's a short camp. Um, they're focused more at that point on just getting their workload up and getting their reps and getting their bodies back accustomed to it, maybe working in a new pitch and maybe refining some stuff. They're not going out there and throwing their best stuff in spring. Yeah. They're basically just going out there. You know, like you're, when you go to the gym hungover, you're going just to go through the motions. You may not be putting any weight in that machine, but you're going through the motions. Hey, sometimes that's a good pump, though. Well, I mean, you go a little hungover. Yeah. I'm just saying. You a little, you know, you get a good pump going on, a little dehydrated. All right, Andrew Wagner joining us right now, Forbes.com. So, Andrew, when it comes to, you know, we'll see what happens Freddie Peralta, those, those, those three big horses there, just let it all unfold as the season progresses. Uh, the obvious and the biggest, you know, you know, elephant in the room is Christian Yelich. Uh, Yelly, I don't think, had a single home run in spring training. Yelly moving forward, though, obviously we want to see him bounce back. Is he capable of doing so? Of I'm not saying being an MVP, but somewhere close to how he once was before that kneecap injury? If you can get a version of Christian Yelich that falls somewhere in between uh, 2019 Christian Yelich and you know Christian Yelich for the last two years, mm-hmm. you've still got a pretty damn good baseball player. And I think that's, that's what the Brewers are looking at right now. You know, get him... Get him somewhere in between what he did in 2018 and 19. It's kind of otherworldly. Um, you know, get something close to that, and 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 they're going to roll. So I, I think he's going to be fine. I really do. I know it sounds like spitting the company line, but that's fine. You know, it just it doesn't it doesn't seem like Christian Yelich is that crappy of a baseball player. Okay, who's a player? You, you just you don't get that feeling. Besides Yelly, who's a player you think that can really step up and carry the team for a while? Could it be like a resurgence of a Keston Hira? Would it be a Willie Adam, a Willie Adamas or a Colton Wong? Maybe all of the above. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's not going to be one guy. You know, we and we've seen this in the past. It's going to be different guys at different times, and, and that's a good thing. You know, having a bunch of different guys. I think Cutch is going to carry him for a while at times this year. Like, I'm really excited for that pickup. You know, there's no reason for me to be because he's, you know, he's not the same guy that he was and he was raking up MVPs with the Pirates. Like, he's just such a good dude, such a cool dude. Um, and when his bat's going, same thing with Colton, same thing with Keston. They have the ability to carry the team for a couple days in a row. Uh, and Hunter Renfro is going to yeah. be, you know, one of those guys that you're not going to expect. He's got some pop. And he's got the kind of pop that plays at Miller Park. So, you know, on paper, it's great. 
they've got they've got all the pe- they they have all the pieces to go to the World Series this year. Ooh. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm... Can they do it? Remains to be seen. But when you have that kind of pitching, you know, front end and back end, there, there's no reason that the World Series is not like attainable. Yeah. Andrew Wagner joining us right now, Forbes.com. So Andrew, we have the season predictor out right now. Um, I just, I was asking our listeners, you know, so we've seen it as low as 89 and a half and as high as 90 and a half. So Rowdy and I split the difference. We're just going 90 wins. Um, I guess what you kind of just said about, you know, world series and whatnot. If you were, uh, if you were to be in the general public and I put you at a betting window legally, would you put an over on that 90 wins or an under on that 90 wins for the Milwaukee Brewers? You know, I saw that, and I was going to ask Rowdy about that because, as you know, he is my investment well, advisor. I, I mean, Rowdy's right here if you want to, to break it yeah. down for you. And, and I, I, I'm shocked by that 89 and a half. And I was just curious of Rowdy, what Rowdy thought of that because that, that seems way too low for me. I, oh. I would figure that would be more like 92 Ooh. would be the over-under. See, I was thinking about this prior to any of those coming out because last year, number came out at 82.0, and I go, that's way too low. I think that's probably a solid five games too low. So I went and actually threw down a nice chunk of change on it. I, in my head, thought between 90 and 92 games, so I ended up landing on 91. And I even told Ebo this yesterday. 91 would be my number. I just see... Uh, the pitching was so good with three guys being in the top eight for Cy Young last year. I feel like they can only only have a little. I'm not saying they're going to be bad. Don't get me wrong, but a little bit of a come down or the bullpen with like guys like Boxberger having turned back the clock seasons, maybe a little bit of a letdown. And then some of the guys that had uh, really, really good seasons like Adamas overall was a little above where he was at with the Rays. But he was so good with the Brewers because he was so bad for the Rays for that first month. And it's going to be hard for a guy like Renfro, who he's done it three times in his career, but to continue to have those numbers where obviously Garcia had his career year last year. I just feel like there's a lot of ways that they can go down, but being better when it comes to the postseason. So Rowdy, Rowdy said yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Rowdy, that if he were, uh, he would not bet the over because the cushion's not there, right, Rowdy? Yeah, for me it's 91 wins, and if I'm at 90 and a half, I don't want to be playing around if I think they're only going to beat it by one game. So there's not enough cushion for that pushing and that over. Andrew. Does that make sense? See, I think that that's could why be... Rowdy is my investment professional. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I think they could have less wins this year, especially yeah. when they're not even going to say be coasting. Just maybe because injuries flare up or whatever have you. Maybe a couple guys take a step back while one take a step forward. But at the end, they could actually be better prepared for the playoffs if things go the way I think they should. Yeah, that makes absolute total sense. That's total. Yep. I agree with Rowdy, as usual. Look at that. Again, that is why he is my financial investment professional. If you have financial needs, contact Rowdy. Uh, he, by the way, he did cash a bet last night taking the Nets over the Knicks. So Rowdy is uh, coming in with a wallet, just a little extra fatter this morning, Andrew. Hey, Andrew, so boy. What uh, predictions for what happens today? What do you got, brother? To uh, the first game of the season. My, I'll freeze my ass off. I'll complain about my seat assignment in the press box. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Craig Council will be a jerk. Why is that? Um, He's a legend. Brewers he legend, Craig Council. Yeah, you know, he just hates me. Uh, let's see what other predictions do I have. Uh, local paper will run a wire service story. Yep. Um, and I'll get stuck in traffic on the way home. So yeah, pretty much the pretty much the usual opening day. But you never know when Kyle Hendricks is on the mound against the Brewers. You never know. It's going to be a low scoring thing. Yeah. Like I saw the over under was ten actually, runs. No, you know what? It's going to be one of those days where you expect it to be a low scoring slog, and it's going to end up being like fifteen to thirteen. That's I, that's how Wrigley usually goes. I think I saw the over under at ten. I think the wind is supposed to be between 15 and 20 miles an hour. We just have to uh, go check the ballpark and see which way that's blowing. Uh, Andrew, and remember, <laughs> Andrew, remember, do your anti-rain dance right when you get off the phone here, okay, buddy? I've been doing it the whole time, brother. All right, hey, we love you, Andrew. Uh, good luck in Chicago. As tough titties paying those tolls, but it is what it is. We love you, brother, and we'll talk later. Off soon. See you, buddy. The Twitter poll is up. At Zone Madison. We'd love to hear from you as well. Here's the poll. Vegas has the Brewers over under win total anywhere from 89.5 to 90.5. What's your season prediction for wins from the Milwaukee Brewers? 
96 or higher. 95 down to 92 wins. 91 down to 88 wins. Or 87 or lower for your Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee. Now, Rowdy, you were talking to Andrew Wagner uh, at 7 o'clock about, you know, the over-under win total. And you said, what, 91? Yeah, I went with 91. And before any of those win totals came out, probably within the last month, Mm -hmm. because they came out later because of the lockout, because of spring training being pushed back. But I kind of had a number in my head when looking at the team when they first came out of the lockout. And the number in my head was between 90 and 92 wins. So I settled on 91. And the reason why, I kind of said this to Andrew Wagner, but you look at that rotation. It was incredible last year. They had three guys that finished in the top eight of NL Cy Young voting. Yep. Like, they can still be really good pitchers and not duplicate what they did last year. Yeah. Like, Corbin Burns won the Cy Young. Therefore, he was seen as the best pitcher in the National League. He can be extremely good and still be thought of as the third best pitcher yeah. in the National League. <laughs> yeah. Same same thing with all those guys. They can be really good and maybe not have quite the season that they had and they're still going to be fine. They're still going to win a ton of games. Now, Lauer and Hauser, Hauser looked actually pretty good in spring. Lauer not so much, but they're two guys that even if they're not quite as good as what they were last year, there's still really good number four, number five options. And not to mention the fact that they have a lot of depth with the Ashby's of the world. That's going to be yeah. their six man with, Oh, by the way, Ethan small threw a game in, in um, the minors last uh, yesterday did not give up a hit until the fourth inning. Like he's nice. right now, he's like your seventh ish option when it comes to a starter. So, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the season two. You got 91. I'm going to write it down for 91 wins. And RJ, we'll get yours before you're out of here um, in a little bit. So Rowdy's at 91. I'm feeling the low 90s as well. I was actually had a little fever dream of 92 wins. And I was thinking about Corbin Trying Burns. Trying to right, me? Well, I, it was my dream, Rowdy. It's in my dream. Yes, I was on that buzzer. I'm like, 92. So in it, though, it was <laughs> um, not in my dream, but well, kind of my thinkings. It was so Corbin Burns, you, you would think he would regress a little bit. Like, how can you be a Cy Young candidate again? Um, he's got his good stuff and he's been work. What did he work on? It was just change up. It's a change up. Yep, he was working on his change up over the off season. So up. Burns leading that. There was a time where Brandon Woodruff was ahead of Corbin Burns though a little bit for the Cy Young race. But uh, Woody kind of fell up, not fall off, but did a little less than Burns it at the end. Why couldn't Brandon Woodruff step his game up and be better than he was last year and be a and maybe win a Cy Young? Because we were talking about Woody potentially winning a Cy Young. Then you got Freddie Peralta who could step his game up. So you got all these guys who are capable of it. The NL Central is so putrid and so weak that they can bang up a bunch on uh, you know the likes of the Reds and the Pirates. I don't think the Cubs are going to be that good this year. It's just the Cardinals are going to fight for that top spot. So when you're beating up on your division, you have all these arms, you got to think that the bats are going to be better than they were last year because I don't know how they could get worse. They got to get better, you would hope. So therefore, I would think more wins coming in. But what did they win last year? Was it ninety-five wins? Yeah, and don't forget they coasted the last two, three weeks of the season. I, I, I would bet the over of this of eighty-nine and a half, ninety and a half. I, give me ninety-two. What about you, RJ? And I'm not trying to I'm, price this right, Rowdy. That was my number. I though. mean, I already voted on the poll, and I voted the eighty-eight to ninety-one because I was pretty sure I'm I'm on the same lines as Rowdy here of ninety ninety-one. See, they were they had the ability because of how good that uh, starting rotation was, and you throw in the fact that Josh Hader followed up yet another great season with another great season, and and he obviously is the best reliever in baseball. Then you had Devin Williams for the majority of that year until the very end, who has until that been, wall got in his way. Yeah, who had been <laughs> really good again, and then let's not forget that Boxberger was a guy in his early to mid thirties who was kind of coming off of a struggling few seasons and, and really found it again. You found your seven, eight, nine, you found guys like Jake cousins of the world or the uh, Gustave's of the world, or even the Miguel Sanchez of the world that came up and gave you really, really good uh, innings, mm-hmm. yep. which maybe some of those guys take a step back. Maybe some still continue to get better, <laughs> but I think there's more of a room for regression. Now looking offensively, who are guys that could continue to grow me? Well, there's also guys that could continue to regress. Like Lorenzo Cain is getting older and older. 
he could regress. But he's in that no Cubs, no song. You have he, he beats down the Cubs. Um, Andrew McCutcheon, everything looks great with him. DH. Obviously, leader in the in the clubhouse too. Older guy, but an older guy, he could all of a sudden maybe not have the same production of twenty four home runs like he did last year. Luis Arias, He's he hurt. was he was amazing last year for yeah. him, and he really came on after they acquired Willie Adamas. Mm-hmm. But you—that's a young guy that's never done that before. He's got to prove to you that he can do it again. Yeah. Willie Adamas, he was amazing for the Brewers last year, Let's but go, he Bill. was god awful for the Tampa Bay Rays for about scenery. A, a month and a half. But that's the thing; it's like you only saw the great Close Willie up. Adamas. Overall, when you look at what he did the entire year, mm-hmm. it was pretty close to what he has done his entire career. So it was a pretty, a pretty, it was a an above average year for Willie Adamas. But you only saw the good stuff yeah. because all the bad stuff you got all the way in the first six weeks with the Rays. I think there's just mm. a lot of like I mentioned this to uh, Wagner. Hunter Renfro has been really good for three seasons. He's also been lackluster for a few seasons in his career. Avisel Garcia just happened to have a career year last year. Yeah. Now, on paper, this is a guy that can very easily replace Garcia and potentially be better than Garcia, but he's got to do it because he's been kind of inconsistent, though lately he has been more consistent in his career. But there's just a lot of can Rowdy Telez, because he swung the bat really well Ready. since being acquired by the Brewers. Can he put a whole season together? Is Keston here going to give you anything? And I think when you look at the division, the the Cardinals are going to be better because there's no way they can their pitching staff will be as beat up as it was last year because they lost. At one point, they lost four out of their five starting pitchers and their closer. They're going to get better. They're going to be better. And I actually think the Cubs will be a little bit better than a lot of people think just because they did kind of go out. They'll they'll at least be better than people think for at least the first half of the season until they potentially try and sell more pieces off. But yes, the Reds and the Just Pirates think. will be bad. All right, so let's see here. A couple tweets. I see the phone lines blowing up. One second. Our guy J8 Krebs says 98 wins. Going to trash the NL Central. Trash them. And he says if we get any more out of Yelly and Keston, the Brewers will win a lot of games. 116. 98 for my guy Krebs. I'll write it down, buddy. Yeah, I have a feeling that the Milwaukee Brewers and Chicago Cubs in the opening series are probably going to have at least one doubleheader. Don't. Unfortunately for you. Yeah, that's fine. But I actually went back and did some research because I was curious, uh, you know, how the Milwaukee Brewers fared since they opened Miller Park in 2001, kind of like when uh, Ananasio's lead brewers took over. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, on opening day games, because obviously not every single game opening day is at Miller Park or a fa- yeah. American Family Field, but overall, every single um, opener, opening day since 2001, home and away, the Brewers record, 11 and 10. They're eleven and ten since uh, Mark Ananasio and the Milwaukee Brewers opened Miller Park. So they slightly now, win, barely win more. Yeah, just under fifty three percent of the yeah. time. Now the other one was I looked at was home openers because now this year the Brewers are going to have two opening days. They're going to have their opening day today against the Cubs at Wrigley, and then the next Thursday, day. yeah, it'll be the four one four home opener against the St. Louis Cardinals. Guess what their record is in home openers? Now there's obviously going to be some overlap between these two four games because yeah. some of the opening days will be home games. Home but opener? guess what the home opening record is? Are they below 500? 11 and 10. Exactly. Oh, really? Exactly the same. That's crazy. Look so in that. the last 21 years since Ananasio was the owner of the Brewers and they opened Miller Park, which is now American Family Field, 11 both and 11 and 10 for opening day and home openers. Would you look at that? Did, did Yeah, Burns got a win as for last year. No, they got they lost. It was Woody. Twins. It was oh, Woody, yeah, Woody, and they won. Oh, they won. Then they that lost was the when, two. That was when they had that. Uh, then they lost the two. Lorenzo Cain right? went uh, sliding into home. Yeah, and then they lost the next two. Yeah, because me and Becker twins. were me and Becker were bouncing around bar hopping from bar to bar. Oh, that was that day. Then <laughs> the year the year before because you guys were screaming at the TV at the opening opening day. Yeah, the year before was where they took the L, and then the That's year before that 
uh, prior to, because remember that was on the Cubs on a Friday night in late July. Because mm-hmm. I actually was heading up to the Dells, listening to it on the radio for a for one of my buddies from college's gra- um, not grad bachelor, bachelor party. party. And the year before that, we were actually at the red zone in 2019 for Brewers Cardinals. And that was when Lorenzo Cain made that hell of a game saving catch to win the game. Yes. I love it. So opening day upon us. Let's hope the weather is uh, treats us. Okay. It's going to be pretty cold though. If you're going to Wrigley or as we prefer to call it, American family field South. Uh, Rowdy, one of these new additions for the Milwaukee Brewers. Now their catcher, uh, Pedro Severino, he has been popped with, I almost want to say chloroform, but that's not chloroform. Clomiphene. Clomiphene, not Chlor- chloroform. Chloroform is lo- used for other things. Yeah, it'll knock your ass out. Uh, Clomiphene. Well, Clomiphene has knocked his ass out for 80 games and the playoffs. The Brewers now have a new catcher. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, momentarily, but well, a new backup catcher, I should say. But another addition that they had, Rowdy, uh, was Kutch, Andrew McCutcheon, over the offseason. Now, a lot of people uh, very excited about it. And this would be huge, right, if this was, like, what, a decade ago? Andrew McCutcheon, what did he bat last year? Was it 222? Yeah, the mid-220s. 220s, something like that, Kutch did. He did have a couple dingers. And now uh, his role is looking like he's going to be the DH for the Milwaukee Universal DH now, by the way. He's going to be DH. I don't believe that, by the way. I think he might start out there, but I think the Brewers are not going to have a full-time DH. No, I don't think they'll have a full-time one either. But I I think it was Stearns and Council talking about how he was going to get the majority of his time DHing, but yesterday uh, sitting alongside of uh, uh, Colton Wong and uh, Corbin Burns, Andrew McCutcheon was talking about why he joined the Milwaukee Brewers. I love the little clip. Uh, take a listen. First off, is a song I face him. <laughs> <laughs> Putting at Corbin so Burns. Brewers and say, "Oh, that that staff. I don't got to face those. I, I get to play with them. Yeah, sign me up." But. Um, Honestly, that probably is part of it. But, uh, um, yeah, having the uh, ability to be able to be on the team um, that has made it to playoffs last four years, uh, have the chance to go further, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a no-brainer. Um, so, yeah, and, of course, there's a whole lot of other things, you know. You know, you're not, you're not making decisions based on what's just best for you. You're making decisions, what's, you know, based on what's best for your family. And uh, this was a uh, perfect fit for us. Um, understanding that we're going to be in division. I still live in, outside of Pittsburgh, so I get to go home a few times, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, just just all of it, you know, in a nutshell, it was, it was, a, it was a, a perfect place for us to be. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Know, being here, playing here, have a lot of fun here. How cool is that, man? So he's talking about he's talking about how he doesn't have to face the Brewers rotation, specifically Corbin Burns. He's pointing at him; they're all laughing. Uh, but yeah, stays in the division, best for his family. That's when you got a guy like McCutcheon, who's a great veteran in the locker room in the clubhouse, and you got him not distract. Like there's, it's something to be said because living the baseball life, Rowdy, has got to be tough. Like personally, I couldn't imagine having a family and you're on the road that long to have his family close to him in Pittsburgh. And he said it right there, go home. I think that's nice mentally, but just having McCutcheon, I don't know if he's going to be like a juggernaut like he was back in the day, obviously, but to have a veteran leadership in the clubhouse, I think is huge for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, I think that's probably the biggest thing that he'll bring is the veteran leadership, just because he's a guy that he'll be asked to DH. He'll be, they'll be hoping that he can hit lefties and provide some power against left-handed pitchers. Also, I think he plays occasionally in the outfield. Yeah. Like I said, I I really do think the Milwaukee Brewers end up using that DH spot more as like a rotational place to get guys off their feet, mm-hmm. give some guys quote unquote days off where they can still keep their bat in the lineup. But yeah, provide power against lefties, play defense in the outfield from time to time and be kind of a leader. I think that's mostly what they're looking for, for Andrew McCutcheon. And from his perspective, probably not the worst idea if that is what they're looking for you to do. And they're still paying you eight and a half million (laughs) dollars. Yeah, I mean, the money's nice too, right? So uh, looking at here, speaking of money, Rowdy, we were talking about, you know, the Twitter poll we have going on right now, Vegas has the Brewers anywhere from 89 and a half to 90 and a half for the over under win total. And looking here, well, we put some options. What's your prediction for wins from the Brewers? 96 or higher, 95 to 92, 91 to 88, or 87 or lower. We have right now leading the way is that 95 to 92 range for wins. In fact, I actually have a couple of come here. Our guy, True Advisor on Twitch, 
and Dominic, who's listening, he tweeted that uh, my Twitter account, Ebo, says they both said 100 wins for the Milwaukee Brewers. 100 wins. And then I got another. That would tweet. by far be the best uh, Brewers season in Brewers history. Yep. Our guy Carl right here goes like this. Check this out. Because uh, I just took a bit this morning to go through the whole schedule. 101 wins. 61 wins by the All-Star break. Council starts resting his players in the second half and uh, games versus West Coast teams. Lowers the number of wins for the second half. But I have a feeling that Hero's lower leg kick has his timing back. Yelly will take more of a contact hitter approach, not hitting home runs. That's the difference. Just a gut feeling. 101 wins from a guy. Carl. See, Good morning, I, Carl. I said that I came up with a, a number in my mind before even these win totals came out between 90 and 92 split the difference at 91. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had a gun to my head, obviously the win total is about 90 games. Gun to head. I'm Let's taking, say I got my Smith and Wesson in here, Rowdy, and I'm pointing right. Yeah, gun head. to head. I, I'm at 91, so I'm on the over with a with a higher ceiling, obviously, because the Central's down. They do have the pitching staff. They do. I'm just trying to factor in a little bit of regression and saying that they could easily win the Central with 91 wins. And we've seen the Brewers coast in the past. Now, will we see them coast this year if they have a huge lead? Because it did not work well for them last year. Did not. They fell extremely flat. Now, if they won 100 games, I think you could easily argue that this would have been the best Milwaukee Brewers season ever, regardless of what happens in the playoffs. Though you'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't go to the World Series. (laughs) But yeah, they've never won 100 games in a season. No, their most was what, 96? Um, It was 2011. Yeah, 96, 2011. And they easily could have beaten that. Last, last year, year, if they didn't coast, but they coasted and rested guys, and they their bats were so cold and and quiet, and we saw what happened in the playoffs. Two rowdy Tellez swings. Was I do the think only that's another happened. factor, though. The fact that they're playing the same amount of games, 162, and they shorten the season by a week, and then I think they they might have cut off another. It's like seven or eight days that they uh, compacted the season into, yeah. and you're still playing the same number of games. So that's obviously less off days because they're not going to short the all-star break. Um, that could be another factor is how do the bullpen arms and or the starter arms uh, hold up? I know they have a lot of depth, so that could play into their advantage, but how do they uh, hold up in a shortened season where you're playing more games you and double headers in a shorter amount of time? Is it nine double headers already? Something like that. There's a lot of, they could headers. be adding to it this weekend. Uh, Speak it into existence. Mother Nature, please part the clouds and let the sun shine down on all of us. Even those, even the fibs. Let the sun shine down on us godly Wisconsinites and those heathens in Illinois. Please, Mother Nature. We don't, we don't want to be delayed anymore. All right, 608-321-1670. Twitter is at Zone Madison if you want to get in your predictions for the Milwaukee Brewers. At Cardinals, what was the, was the Cardinals at 80s? Was it 87? Um, I think I saw the Cardinals. I can, I can go check real quick. But one thing about... Uh, Brewers, Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Pirates. It's it's We've been talking about this for a month. It's clearly a two-horse race. Yeah. It's the Cardinals. It's the Brewers. Now, last season, you had the Reds that were still kind of building, trying to win. You had the Cubs that were in that last year before they completely blew it apart. And you had the Cardinals and the Brewers. Remember when all four of those teams were just really bunched up? Mm -hmm. It was like the Brewers had 82 wins. I think uh, the Cardinals were actually, was it the Cardinals or Cubs that were leading in odds? But someone was in the up, there were two teams in the upper to mid 80s. Um, The, I believe the Reds were like right around the same win total as the Brewers. They were all really closely bunched up. In who was going to win. It was like you could find pretty close to even odds for those four teams because everyone was expected to be in contention. Well, Red sold, Cubs sold. Pirates Pirates are the Pirates. The St. Louis Cardinals came up snake eyes with injuries. And the Brewers luckily were relatively healthy and their pitching staff was extremely good. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year, if you remember correctly, I did take a little bit of heat because I predicted you that the, taking heat, Rowdy? No. the Brewers would finish second in the NL Central with 88 wins. That's exactly why I went and threw a ton of money down on the over 82 wins last year because they were over my qualifier of being three games over what I think their win total should be. Yeah. 
They did not win 88. They won 95 and coasted, <laughs> but I thought that the Cardinals would win 90 and be a little bit better, and then we'll see what happens to playoffs. Yeah. The Cardinals won 90, and they had a ton of injuries to the to the, uh, pitching, the pitching staff. staff yeah. They had four out of their five top starters out at one point, banged up, and man. all five of their starting pitchers were on the I.L., another point in the season lost their closer. I, I think the Cardinals are kind of being slept on as a team that we Listen always, the Cardinals. They, they exactly. They're always hanging around and they won 90 games last year with a beat up team. Yeah. They're the, the Cardinals are always good. The Cardinal way, but, but yeah, I think the Cubs will be just a little bit better than people think they, they are because they did go out and get Suzuki from Japan. They did He's sign a, a, a Marcus Stroman who'll improve their rotation a little bit. Hendricks is back. I think they'll be a little bit better than some people who think they'll win like 70 games, but yeah, yeah they'll be better than that. Yeah. since he's bad, they're selling off. Pirates have literally been selling off since they let uh, McCutcheon walk. Let the mother play. My man, Rowdy. Let this mother. Oh, hang on. Let me just fade this quick. Let this mother effer speak. Our guy, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. What's up, you effer? I, I can never match Rowdy's quotes. I'll, I'll say that he's 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 in a league of his own. He he would make a lot of headlines. I'll tell you that if he was a GM or or a vice president of a team or a manager or something like that, wouldn't he? Uh, one of these days, yes. And Rob, one of these days, I'm going to accidentally leave a mic on and not realize it, the hot mic, and we're going to be paying the suffering the consequences afterwards. But I'm here for it. I want to ride the wave. You, you you better not do that because Rowdy's too valuable to the station. Well, I don't want to, Rob. To, I don't, if you leave on a hot mic, you might have you might not have Rowdy back the next. Well, day. Robbie, you've been in radio. You know you don't mean to leave a mic on, but sometimes it just happens, you know. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, well, what did I say? Well, there, well, there, were, there were there were times, Evo, with some of my ex partners, I wouldn't have minded same. leaving a mic on. I'll tell you that. Same, Robbie. We've we've experienced some pretty pretty. Pretty contentious times. What the, uh, I was, it wasn't even hot mic. The mic was on because we were doing a, a segment. And I was talking about Jonathan Taylor. I got so, I love Jonathan Taylor. I got so caught up in it. I said, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's going to run into the F word house. And I just said it without even realizing it. And Rowdy gave me this look like during the headlights. And then thankfully the dump button, there's a seven second delay. So I was able to hit it, you know, FCC, FCC Amen. is well, always you, on my ass though. You, you, you two are pros, you, you know, you, you, you manage, uh, you ma- you manage the the the, the clock a, a little bit better than Matt Lafleur, who would have to take a time out there to uh, right to, to before hitting the dump button, and, and he'd be out he'd be out of timeouts midway through the first quarter. Now, there's nothing too bad coming from from me. Maybe a few cuss words here and there, but it's not like uh, these twelve year olds aren't walking around the school halls not saying the same stuff. Yeah, it's mostly just the f word, Robbie. We we like to swear. Uh, Ro- Rowdy, Rowdy, you hanging out with a lot of twelve year olds at the middle school. No, but uh, I do have a mother that teaches at that age, and I hear that the language is getting worse and worse. Yeah. Come on, Robbie. It's not like he works for Disney. Come on, dude. Yeah, All right. My Good Lord. Point. All right. So, Rob, <laughs> Rob Reichelhagen with us. So, Robbie, real quick before I get to the Packers, uh, over under for Brewers, Vegas has it anywhere from 89.5 to 90.5. What will my guy Rob Reichel say have for this opening day? Well, if we could, we could get my guy Paul Molitor in town to manage that team, I would take the over Evo. But uh, I, I think people know I'm I'm not a Craig Council guy. He'll 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 bubble wrap that pitching staff all summer. You'll you know we'll we'll, we'll get to September 15th, and he'll still be on that six man rotation, and we'll be saying why why does Burns only have 161 innings or something like that? So I, I I'm going to take the I'm going to take the under Evo. You, all right, Robbie, you got it. I actually took uh, 92. Rowdy, you took? I'm at 91. 91. We've had some people have a 100 or even 101 wins, Rob, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get the optimism. There, there's some holes, though, right? Third base is 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 a real question. I mean, the, the DH is in his late 30s now. They've got obviously issues now, a catcher that they had to solve yesterday. And, and, and my biggest question, guys, among anything, and, you know, take Craig Council out of the mix, which is, is hard to do sometimes for me, but <laughs> I, I mean, all, you know, those, those top three guys last year, right? Burns, Woody and, and Peralta all had career years. They've, they, they, they cannot match that again. Can they? And I know Woody's already had a rough spring training. I don't put a lot of stock into that, but I mean, can those three guys really be that dominant again this year? You would have to think there's at least a 10 or a 15% decline uh, you know, with, with maybe some of their numbers, but uh, I mean, on, 
you know, in theory, on paper, it looks like a really good baseball team, guys. You know, I, I, I'll go 88 and 74. All right. Is, I mean, that could win the NL Central, though, Robbie. I mean, it's a pretty bad division, so we'll see what it's happens. It's a bad, bad division. It probably would win it, right, Ebo? All right, Robbie, let's talk some Green Bay Packers, baby. I saw another beautiful article out there at Forbes.com from a guy, Robbie. I love the headline. Packers GM Brian Gutekunst has been a boss with his early draft picks. Now, Rob, there is a wide receiver problem for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know. We'll maybe get into a potential trade upcoming, but first, what about the draft? Will they, for the first time since 2002, spend a first-round pick? Brian Gutekunst be that boss that he is by getting a wide receiver? Evo, you might have to go and get two of them. I mean, let, let's see how the trade situation here over the next three weeks plays out. And, you know, of course, three weeks from tonight is, is round one of, of the draft. Crazy. This, this is so exciting. I can't, you know, I, I can't wait. I'm one of these draft nuts like, like you guys are in, in there, Evo. Um, no, I mean, they absolutely have to. They, they can't line up and play football with, with Alan Lazard and, and, and Randall Cobb and Amari Rogers as their top three, which is where it sits today. Those guys would be four, five, and six on most depth charts. You, you, you know, they've, they've got four of the top 59 picks. Now, the tricky part for Gutekunst, Devo, is he's got two first-round picks, 22 and 28, but seven other teams in the league right now also have two first-round picks. So, uh, you know, and the, and the Chiefs being one of them who, who recently traded Tyreek Hill, and they're obviously now looking, you know, for a stud number one wide receiver too. So the, there's going to be competition moving around that board for Brian Gutekunst. Let's say he wants to get himself up to 10 or 12 or something like that to get the wide receiver of his choice. He's going to have some competition to do it, Evo, because there, there's a lot of teams in this draft that are armed and dangerous to, to move all around the board and, and kind of fill their needs as well. So um, Evo, he will absolutely take one wide receiver in round one. It wouldn't shock me if he takes two, and I certainly expect him to take two inside the you know the first two rounds there where he's got four four picks in the first 59. So, yeah. yeah right. That's actually a little bit different than a lot of the mocks that I've been seeing just recently they kind of have the the uh, Green Bay Packers going all over the board where it's like maybe a receiver in round one, but you're also uh, taking an offensive lineman. And then in round two, it's like an outside linebacker or an inside linebacker. They've kind of been all over the board with the uh, Packers taking a bunch of different positions in those first five picks. Yeah, and, and, and Rowdy, they could do that when it's all said and done, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at – Four picks again in the first 59. Clearly, their their most pressing and dominant needs. I would even argue one and two are wide receiver, and then three is offensive line. Four, they probably need an edge rusher, and and five, it's kind of a sneaky position and need to me. But they do need they do need a safety looking down the road. Um, but but Rowdy, I, I could see those first four picks. Let's just say he doesn't make a trade, and he stands pat where they could go wide receiver, tackle, edge rusher, and then wide receiver again. Um, like I said, I, I expect two of the first four to be wideouts, but they'll also fill some needs in there too. I mean, people shouldn't forget. They've lost three offensive linemen here in free agency, and that group has to be replenished in terms of its depth. Um, they lost guys that, you know, their 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 best pass rusher, I would say in, in 20 years in, in Zadarius Smith. I mean, people kind of scoff because he didn't play last year, but him putting up 13 and a half sacks in 19 and then 12 and a half in 20 guys are the most in back-to-back seasons that they had had in two decades. And, and, and I know Gary and Preston Smith give him a nice combo there, but Zadarius was far and away their, their most effective in terms of getting home and getting to quarterback sack percentage, uh, pressure rates, whatever number you want to look at. Zadarius, you know, Zadarius certainly topped those other two guys. So they need a third edge rusher right now, guys, when it, when it, when it comes to depth. So, so Rowdy, you know, I, I think a lot of those mocks you're looking at will wind up probably being pretty close and, and pretty accurate. I, I, I just, and I do think they'll bounce all over the board. I just think when it's all said and done, in those top four picks, I would expect it to be two wideouts, an offensive lineman, and an edge rusher. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm okay with if they go back to back wide receiver, wide receiver, if they trade up and really get the wide receiver they want or whatever position they want, or even going five, four or five different positions in those first five picks. My only thing is, please just hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and it's something I wrote please, at Forbes today, guys. I mean, he 
Gutekunst has hit like crazy. He's a boss, here. Rob. You said in your it's headline, he's a boss. Right, right. I, talk, I talked to another guy in the league earlier this week, and he used the term boss when he, when he was talking about Brian Gutekunst. First two, uh, you know, uh, his picks high up in the draft. That's the UW lacrosse education, Robbie. The, 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 it has to be. You know, Harvard no of the Midwest. Go Eagles, right? I mean, <laughs> but, but the guy, I mean, guys, just just real quick, let's let, let, let's run through these a little bit, right? I mean, Jair Alexander, his first pick ever, uh, you, you could argue is the, is the best cornerback right now in football. Uh, Rashawn Gary is a rising star at, at outside linebacker. I'm, I would I would put money that he's a Pro Bowl player in uh, 2022 here. Uh, again, another stud. Elton Jenkins has been as good as any offensive lineman taken in that in that 2019 draft. Uh, guys, I think if they would redo that draft, Jenkins is a top five or a top ten pick in that draft, the versatility he's shown. I mean, coming off that ACL, uh, he'll clearly still get a second contract with, with, with the Packers. A.J. Dillon's been a horse running the football. He was a second-rounder guy in, in 2020. And then you look at last year in, in round one and two, he went Stokes at corner, who I think's got a real nice upside, and, and Myers at center. Same thing there. I didn't even mention Darnell Savage. I, I think he's been pretty average, uh, but he's got a chance at – you know, with with a big year here, maybe, maybe getting another contract in Green Bay. Really, guys, the only two busts out of that uh, were Josh Jackson, who's out of the league right now, and I guess we'll call Jordan Love a bust right now. Uh, yeah, he but, but 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 the jury really is still out there. He'll he'll get a chance at some point in time here. They'll they'll eventually trade him, and he'll get a chance to play somewhere else. I would think and and save his career, guys. But worst case scenario with the Jordan Love pick. You lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers' tail, and right. he's responded with back-to-back MVP seasons. So you could certainly look at all those picks, guys, that I just outlined there, and there aren't many GMs in the league that have done better in rounds one and two since Gutekunst took this thing over four years ago. Rob Reichel joining us right now at Forbes.com. Robbie just spitting the truth, man. So, uh, Rob, when it comes to, you know, Brian Gutekunst, we were talking about this, Nelly and I were earlier this week, I think on Tuesday, and it was, have the Packers done enough this off season so far? Uh, and like, are they are they worse or are they better? And we were kind of on the fence in the middle. I I think I, well, Rowdy, did you just lean the same as I did? We leaned kind of, they may have regressed just slightly. Yeah, I'm kind of a fence sitter on this one just because they were completely handicapped by the salary cap. Okay, but if, but if you look at the overall composition right now, guys, of the roster, there, there is no... There is no feasible way to argue that they're a better football team. I, yeah. I think they've re, I think they've regressed, and and it's probably going to be a couple of wins when it, when it's all said and done. They'll, I think they'll go from about thirteen to eleven. You can't lose Adams and Turner and uh, you know MVS and Zedarius and and Lucas Patrick and Shandon Sullivan and you know Dennis Kelly. They'll even be worse at punter guys. And I know punter nobody talks about punter, but they'll Pat be worse at punter. With, with Pat O'Donnell subbing in, you know, switching out now for, you know, moving in for Bajorquez. Uh, guys, they've added virtually nothing. They've kept a few of their own guys. <laughs> Jaron Reed. And, and they've lost seven or eight key players. They Again, they have to have the draft of all drafts. He's He's got to find, you know, one or two immediate starters at, at wide receiver. He's probably got to find an offensive lineman that can play because – we just don't know enough right now. If you know, I I would think it's November before you see maybe Jenkins back on the field. Um, he's got to find an edge rusher. He, he he's probably got to find a tight end because I, I would expect you know Tunyon at some point in time it, it, you either you're either going to move on from him if you're not convinced on on him coming off the injury or you or you give him uh, another contract. But they clearly need depth there at, at tight end. They need depth at safety. Um, again, he's he's got to. He's got to hit it early in the draft, guys, and then, and then he's got to find some 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 players who are really solid and valuable backups. And, and they need help on special teams, you know, for the new special teams coach, Basaccia. Yeah, they got Snoop uh, Dogg's nephew. <laughs> yes, right. I mean, at the at the at the end of the day, guys. <laughs> the his name again? Um, they, they've got eleven picks. I mean, they, they need seven or eight of these guys to contribute right away in twenty twenty two. But but to your initial point, uh, Evo and Rowdy, there's there is no way to me you could argue that it's a better football team. They, they 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 are no question to me worse. You can't lose the best wide receiver in football and and yeah. and not get worse. So it's he's again Gutekunst has to either make a deal here before the draft or or have the draft of all drafts 
for them to stay up there in the conversation with Tampa Bay and the Rams next season. Yeah, and I think if you're going to look at this in a, a more pessimistic way, as you talked about with losing Devontae Adams, losing Zadarius Smith, and some of those other really good or at least solid serviceable players, you could also look at it pessimistically and say, hey, Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell were relatively average to unknown players and then all of a sudden had career years. Now you sign them back long term. Are they going to replicate what they did in just one season when they've been in the league for more than just that one year? No, I mean, very fair question. I mean, Rasul had the fairy tale of all fairy tale seasons last year, and, you know, Campbell was, uh, you know, a stud from day one and, and an all pro and a Pro Bowl level level player there. And, they, and again, you're right, Rowdy. They hadn't done it in their other stops. They hadn't done it in their other cities. Did, did they catch, you know, a lightning in a bottle and, and, and turn in a magical season? Or, or is this something where they're going to have three or four dominant years now uh, for Green Bay? Rowdy, the, the Packers are going to need both of those guys to play up to their new contracts and their contract level because, you know, the, the one thing we haven't talked about is they will be a defensive first outfit next year. When, when they win football games, guys, next year, at least the way they're currently constructed, it's going to be because Jones and Dylan combined for 150-plus yards on the ground. They have the ball 34, 35 minutes, and the defense is lights out like it was in the playoff game against San Francisco. Uh, they'll, go, they'll do a lot more play action. They're, they, they don't have the depth and, and they don't have the weapons right now at wide receiver guys, I think, to win shootouts. Um, maybe that changes here, and we're talking about that different in a month, but as, as we sit here right now on, on April 7th, this is a defensive first and a run first football team, and, and they can win a lot of football games that way, guys. It, it's a top five or top seven or eight defense. It should be a top five running game. They'll, they'll replenish that offensive line. They, they should be very, very good in the trenches. I just don't know at this point in time when we're talking to April, guys, that they can find enough wide receivers to make the passing game what it's been here the majority of Aaron Rodgers' career. So they're just going to have to win football games next year, guys, in different ways than I think the fan base is accustomed. Hey, like Al Davis, just win, baby. Just win. Hey, Robbie, before I let you go, and you're a habitual winner, by the way. We love you, Robbie. Before I let you go, speaking of habitual winners, is it wrong of me to think that Tiger Woods is going to make the cut and possibly win the Masters? Is that wrong of me, Robbie? Not even, not even close. He'll make the cut. He'll 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 be in the hunt on Sunday. Yes, I, don't, yes. I don't know if he wins it or not. Yes. This is this is the stud of all studs. Yes, right? Robbie. Yes. Never ever ever bet Woo! against Elder. Talk don't, dirty to me, Robbie. Yeah. Don't don't you don't you dare ever bet against Elder. I brought this up earlier. I, I, I cannot wait an hour from now when when he this thing off it's it's gonna be absolutely awesome i brought this up earlier and rowdy and rj who was in here earlier they both looked at me like i was crazy they wanted to like well, beat my ass i asked that. him if he would Let's offer me if he would offer me the old bet tiger of the field <laughs> no <laughs> that might be a tough one but i do like the bet i do like the bet of him making the cut guys robbie come on it's, it's tiger freaking woods right i mean this is this is jordan and ali combined this, yeah it's this is, no, it's Tiger makes the cut, guys, and, and you're going to be watching them on Sunday. Love it, Robbie. You're always making our cut. You're always winning with us on Thursdays. We love you, buddy. We'll keep checking out Forbes.com, Conley Media, uh, Rob Reichel on Twitter. You the man, Robbie. We love you. All right, guys. You the man, too. We'll, we'll talk you. to you soon. See you, Robbie. 